welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. And today we're going to be reviewing a film that was actually released with almost no fanfare. And that's crazy because this was this was directed by a very, very well-known director. The one um, and only Richard Linkletter. Exactly. So this is Apollo 10 and a half, A Space Age Childhood. Uh, it was released straight to Netflix. It's a Netflix original. And it was released uh, last month, I want to say. Uh, I think you're I, I feel like it was April 1st, which would have been really funny, but I don't I can't confirm that. Yeah. So and again, I, I didn't even know Richard Linklater was coming out with a new film or that it was going to be in that rotoscope uh, style that he did in Waking Life and A Scanner Darkly. You know, in fact, you were the one who told me about it. Um, yeah, I, uh, I heard about this through a friend and I said, oh, this has got to be something we before I even saw it. I was like, oh, this has got to be something we talk about without a doubt. Exactly. And um, so kind of to start off the review, see, uh, what's uh, what's your what's your history with Richard Linklater? So Richard Linklater, he is. Oh, he. So I've heard some true Richard Linklater fans who have said that he every one of his movies is incredibly unique and different. Um, I don't agree with that. He definitely has a certain through line that you can always find. It's either nostalgia or philosophy or being really weird. And I understand that that gives him a wide range. But when those three types of things like have a similar vibe, uh, you start to notice a pattern in his work. That being said, I think everyone has at least one or two Richard Linklater movies that they enjoy to a pretty large extent. Um, for I think a lot, of, I know a lot of people, a lot of younger people who really gush over Boyhood. I think it's interesting, but you know, I think it's got some problems. I personally find uh, Fast Food Nation very interesting, um, even though it's got a very strong, direct, specific message. I think it tells that message very well. Um, I know. I think everyone enjoys School of Rock. I don't know many. I I've never met someone who says no. I hated School of Rock. Uh, have you ever met someone who says that? Uh, no, I, I've met some people who say they prefer the original version of, or no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the bad news bears, which he did not direct. Yeah. Um, so school of rock, actually, that was my, uh, that was my first experience with, uh, link ladder was uh, school of rock. I, I thought, Oh, this is just another Jack black comedy, but it was, it had a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. And then imagine my surprise, I get to college and someone said like, Oh, well you have to have seen taste and confused. And I said, no, I don't even know what that movie's about. And they told me what this movie like made had a had Matthew McConaughey, Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. um, had a, like a bunch of like got people who would eventually become stars. Uh, Mila, oh god, I'm forgetting her. Mila Jakonovic, uh, the the lead from the Resident Evil movies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll give it a watch. And I saw it, and <laughs> I remember after we finished watching it, I was in the dorm room, and I go like, did anyone else feel like that movie was about nothing? <laughs> and everyone looked at me and was like, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> and uh, then I, got I get in- a feeling you don't like Seinfeld, Al. <laughs> uh, that's whatever. Anyways, and, anyways. And, and yeah, no, then I got exposed to um, A Scanner Darkly, Waking Life, which I found really interesting purely for the rotoscoping uh, stuff that was done on those films. I think it made uh, Scanner Darkly like a very different type of Philip K. Dick adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I saw the Before Trilogy, you know, 
before sunset, before sunrise, uh, before midnight. Mm-hmm. I, I know I probably like jumbled them up, but I saw all those three films kind of close to each other. Well, I saw the first two in college, in my freshman year of college, and I saw the last one when it was released, like because it came out like in 2012. I want to say. I think and I thought, right. and I thought to myself, like, wow, the, the, these are really good performances by Julie Delphi and uh, Ethan Hawke. Um, but definitely, and you definitely see this with the second one. That's when I kind of realized, oh, Richard Linklater's style is a whole lot of dialogue. Like he doesn't really have a visual style. His style is people talking and talking about their feelings and reminiscing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, That's true. And some, you know, sometimes I can get on that wavelength. Other times I couldn't. And it's really interesting. Then he, uh, this was actually before before midnight. But he made a film with Jack Black called Bernie, right? Which was a, a movie about the real life story about this this uh, mortician who was friends with this just very very mean spirited old woman, mm-hmm. and basically killed her with a tiny point twenty two rifle, mm-hmm. and then froze her, <laughs> and no one in town knew what had happened because nobody was friends with her because she was such a mean spirited person. Mm-hmm. And the way he told it was in this kind of pseudo documentary style with a lot of narration. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, like, it's really weird that he's telling this story in a very matter of fact, kind of standard uh, PBS documentary thing with talking heads. But it's really, really fucking compelling. Right. Yeah. And when we get to our review of Apollo 10 and a half, you'll you'll see where I'm going with this. But mm-hmm. without further ado, how about we uh, how about we watch this uh, this trailer? Let's do it. Mission for what? We accidentally built the lunar module a little too small. How'd that happen? Listen, are you good at math? Yeah. Do you get a perfect 100 on every test? No. Okay. We need a kid like you to test this accidentally smaller version on the lunar surface and soon. Stan, you're our only hope. Okay. Great. Let's forget about all this for now. We'll come back to this part later. First, let me tell you about life back then. Living in the Houston area in the late 60s, it was a great time and place to be a kid. But the world was changing, and so was how we saw ourselves in it. Right on. (laughs) Mom, is that one a hippie? Yeah, yeah, that's a hippie. How about that one? No, his hair's not long enough. But he's wearing bell bottoms. Okay, that's a hippie. I think I like hippies. This is a covert operation. That means it does not exist. No one can know about this. Not your parents, not your brothers, not your sisters. No one. Three, two, one. T minus 60 seconds and counting. Ignition sequence starts. Six, five, four, three. Stan, are you ready? One. Ready. Apollo 10 and a half. This is Houston. Do you read? Houston, this is Apollo 
That's a really sweet trailer. It is. It is. So, okay. Ostensibly a politan and a half is about a kid who lives in Houston in the 60s gets chosen by NASA to do a test mission because they built a lunar module too small for a regular man to fit in. That that's that's what the you know that's what the log line is, but mm-hmm. that that's not true. And it, this isn't a, listen. This is a Richard Linklater film. That's aimless is the wrong word, but it really doesn't have a plot. So that is basically the plot of it, and it's very straightforward. You know, spoiler: he goes to the moon, does it. But here's the thing: ten minutes into it, after he accepts being part of the mission, that is thrown away. And what the film really is, is a series of vignettes, all connected by a voiceover narration uh, performance by Jack Black, talking about how awesome it was to be a kid in Houston in the late 60s. That is actually what the movie is about. It's a series of vignettes of memories of growing up as a kid in the 60s, you know, during the Vietnam War, uh, you know, when when the space race was at full swing and and you know it's just this reminiscing there's this this kind of nostalgic story of being an american kid in texas in the 60s and that's that's the whole movie for like 90 percent of it and then once all those vignettes are over we go back to him uh going up to the moon pretty much now now, actually, see, I want to ask you, do you think the element of, of you know, kid going up into space, do you think that was true in universe or, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, is this just the kid like adding one of his flares to a story that he's probably telling, I don't know, his grandkids, his kids about how he went to the moon? So this is absolutely one of the flares the kid is adding, but as an adult, he's adding it and he's he's telling this to someone and we don't know who. And I think the movie could have benefited from us seeing who the narrator is talking to in the end. But that's that's OK. We we the, the movie wasn't at a, at a loss without that. But I absolutely think this was a total flare this is the child's imagination. And I think the movie's pretty clear on that, especially there's something the parents say at the very end. There's like a final scene that kind of, that pretty much locks that in. Um, so I would say, I would agree with you on that, that it's, this is the child's flair and imagination. Yeah. So uh, this is like a mix of, I guess you would say, Bernie with kind of this, sort of documentary style in the sense of like you get a narration and you're just shown vignettes right every every scene it's kind of is kind of its own thing and it's not really there's no really like plot connection between all the vignettes we see mm-hmm. and boyhood which is like capturing the specific moment in time mm-hmm. and i i gotta say if if you're like a fan of the 60s or if you just like American history in general and or you were like a fan of the space race this movie would be something you'd you'd you know like to watch right because I think it's very faithful to to how it was in that era right warts and all um, I must say you know this isn't a oh things were so much better in the 60s no this was 
oh, I had so much fun as a kid while I lived as a kid in the 60s. And I think that's an important distinction because I know some people would be like, oh, being nostalgic about the past is kind of bad taste. But this does it in a way where you're like, okay, this comes from a place of actual sincerity. You know, uh, Richard Linklater is, uh, I believe, is he a boomer or is he a Gen Xer? Uh, he straddles the line. I know that. Yeah, yeah. But he was a kid in the late '60s, and you can tell that this is him reminiscing about, like, oh yeah, back when back when I was a kid, you know, with all my brothers and sisters, we this was all the fun things we did, and you know, I I found that perfect perfectly acceptable and you know i was like oh i'm on the your wavelength like the games you played with your brothers you know the chores your parents made you do uh the perks you got because your sister worked at a ice cream shop like all that sounds sincere and is played sincerely you know and a big reason why i was able to get on this film's wavelength is doing no part to the cast right these uh so we have the lead played by Milo Koi, and then he has uh, two brothers and three sisters, right? All these kids, you definitely are like, yeah, these are kids. These are kids. And you, you, how would I say? Because they're so authentically kids, the authenticity of, the authenticity of, of the vignettes we're seeing just feels so much real, so much more real. If I may, um, I got to be open and honest. I love this movie. Like, I may be giving away what I'm going to give, the rating I'm going to give this, but I thought this movie was so sweet and so much fun. And so, uh, I've always been like very wishy-washy over rotoscoping. I've seen times where it's done pretty well sometimes where it's done horribly like I think you know when I think of rotoscoping I used to you either think of Scanner Darkly or you think of like the Ralph Bakshi style Lord of the Rings where like in in many like especially in the Lord of the Rings because Ralph Bakshi didn't include any shadows it doesn't really work but in this the rotoscoping is so just so gorgeous in this that you you accept it i would actually say that of all three of his rotoscoping movies including this one this is the best job of rotoscoping i've seen in link letters work uh it's just so refined and polished and um you don't have that problem you get in a lot of rotoscoping movies too where s sometimes their faces look weird in rotoscoping because like you look at a if you get a front-facing angle in rotoscoping suddenly their faces will look weirdly magically flat in the worst way for some reason they were able to get that right this time which i liked um but i just absolutely loved the nostalgia of this movie as you said i was completely on the wavelength of this film and al i would go so far as to say that this movie captured childhood better than boyhood wow and I, here's the thing, I grew up in the era of boyhood, and I'm not saying boyhood did a bad job in capturing childhood. There's a scene in boyhood where he's waiting in line for Harry Potter that I teared up at, because I, I know what that was like. I never waited in line, but I remember the excitement of Harry Potter, I really do. But there's, there's something, that Apollo 10 and a half like made me truly understand what it was like to be a kid in the 60s. And 
There are plenty of movies that take place in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and that take place during childhood, ch- childhoods of those eras. And outside of Stranger Things for the 80s, no film really captures what it was like to be a kid in those eras, except this movie for the first time. Yes, it, you are right, Al. It absolutely initially takes you on one path and then stops, literally stops, and says, no, we're going to talk about this for like 90% of the movie. That's what we're going to do now. You're absolutely right. But I was just so engaged with just how personal each vignette was and how beautifully specific each one was that I just... I. Even though I did question, I was like, are we going to get back to the space race? I realized I just let it go and I enjoyed it. And I also realized because you you initially for a moment said this was meandering, but then you stopped and you, you said, well, no, it's not that. But it just goes on and on and on. Here's the thing. Part of childhood is kind of like that. Childhood is kind of meandering at times. Childhood doesn't have a story yet because our stories haven't really started. We're just figuring things out. And I think that's, I think it actually worked to this movie's benefit to do this sort of vignette style thing, because that's how we remember our childhood as vignettes. We don't really remember this full arc of our life when we're a kid. We remember these moments the most. And that's what I loved about this movie is Richard Linklater actually understood that, whether intentionally or not, he understood that. And he perfectly captured that, really in a remarkable way. And so I just, for that reason alone, or for all the reasons I've said, I truly fell in love with this movie. Uh, so I, I, I can't say I fell in love with this movie. I was on its wavelength. Um, but ultimately, you know, like, like I've said in other reviews, I, what engages me is just a really well-told story, right? And I can't really say this was like a, there was any plot to this. It was just a bunch of vignettes. Now, what really helped me was kind of what you alluded to earlier was the specificity of some of these vignettes where I was like, oh, yeah, that happened to me when I was growing up. You know, having the the father, the parent who who penny pinches here and there. Right? I was like, oh, I, I really relate to that. Or, or doing the whole, um, you know, uh, riding in the back of a pickup truck, not realizing that that's actually very, very dangerous. <laughs> you know, I, I, I related to that. Um, that being said, you know, I, I, again, if, if this isn't, that's why I kind of, I alluded to that. If, if you're really into this era, this movie is definitely for you. Cause you know, it really basks in that nostalgic glow over the, the sixties. And again, I know a lot of people be like, Oh, that's in bad taste. Cause the past sucked, but it talks about that. It does. It does. It shows you the 60s warts and all. Um, The one thing I was really surprised by was the fact that in the 60s, everybody, everybody, every adult basically was fine with corporal punishment on children. Mm -hmm. Right. And and, you know, uh, Jack Black as as Stan, the the protagonist's name is Stan. He he, he's narrating as the grown up. He talks about how like, yeah, they kind of treated us like animals, hitting us whenever we did something wrong. And that was really crazy if you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciated that that it showed you because you know in the sixties we can talk about like oh you know 
uh, the the ugly things that happened during the civil rights movement or the ugly things the government did while trying to hunt for communists. Mm -hmm. But and I'm not saying stuff like that isn't in there, but, you know, showing something else, something as as, you know, relatively small potatoes as, yeah, everybody was just hitting kids all the time. And showing how crazy that was, I, I was like, wow, I really appreciate that you you're showing an ugly side of the past and, you know, you're not mincing words. I, I, I did appreciate that. And again, that just adds to the sincerity you feel when watching this, where you're like, oh, OK, this guy's talking about the 60s and kind of all the bad things and all the lots of good things that were in there. Now, circling back to uh, Jack Black as the grown up version of Stan, who's narrating, we never see him in the picture. He's, he's only just talking like. Jack Black needs to narrate audiobooks. He has such a soothing voice. His performance is so laid back and relaxed, right? Like like you're just having a couple beers and he's just talking about how it was growing up in Houston, Texas in the mm -hmm. 60s. It's just yeah, no. That it's just so relaxing and again, while some people may be like, "Oh, this went from a sci-fi movie to just a a movie that's just kind of like Days and Confused, just talking about uh, the past. I, I do want to add, though, um, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Al. Dazed and Confused is very much the teenage perspective. This is the childhood perspective. And I just think it is important to make clear that if you're expecting to see Dazed and Confused out of this, you're not going to get that. Oh, yeah, no. Where Dazed and Confused talked about, uh, you know, girls and like what we're going to do with our futures and getting drafted. Uh, the. Uh, Politan and a half is all about like trading cards, uh, what games you would play if or outdoor games you would play if it was raining, you know, mm -hmm. popsicle sticks, like a lot of kids stuff. Yeah. You know, arcades. Ar arcades. Yeah. A lot of arcades. You know, the the fear slash respect you felt for the older kids who were kind of from the wrong side of the train tracks, <laughs> which I have to admit, um, this movie really got that kind of person right like the the i don't want to say greaser it's not that but that kind of like the concept of a kid from the other side of the tracks um though it didn't cover them much there's only one other movie that kind of does this kind of genre this kind of person really well and it was the outsiders uh outside of that this movie even though they're only in there for five minutes it co it covers what they are very well exactly um you know also something i really appreciated is that a lot of times when we see something taking place in the 60s, they have to shoehorn in hippies. Yeah. Like, if, I feel like it's a rule at this point. And what I loved of what this film did is that it acknowledged, yeah, there's hippies, but hippies were a very fringe group of people, mm -hmm. right? They were just uh, a very loud fringe. Exactly. Like, most people in the 60s never really interacted with a hippie, um, much less like a suburban family uh, in Houston, Texas, like mm -hmm. they would be like, oh, that's a hippie right there. But, you know, they weren't friends. They weren't talking. They weren't invited to their parties. No. You know, you know, there's an other side of the 60s that wasn't the hippie culture movement that yeah. I feel like a lot of people forget about because, again, it's it is the most visually iconic uh, symbol of the 60s. Kind of like how like disco dancers are the iconic symbols of the 70s. Even but they, though, were, they, they weren't everywhere. Even though Days and Confused proved that, no, there were like in Days and Confused, there's never a mention or uh, a mention or a talk of disco. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And that takes place in the 70s as well. Um, performance wise, again, Milo Koy as Stan, you know, he's a kid acting as a kid and he comes off as a kid. So I think it's a good performance. Well, that's the uh, thing, though, is that you get plenty of kid actors who then don't know how to play kids. And he he did a good job playing a kid. Yeah. And, you know, the the kids who play his siblings also did a really, really good job. It was, you know, how would you say it was authentic? It was real. You know, it also really, really helps that, you know, their the rotoscoping animation like enhances the movements they would do as a kid. Because, you know, kids always fidget. They always, always fidget. Yeah. And he, uh, this film really captured that. That uh, is. Oh, speaking of the, the siblings, I'm amazed that the movie man because he had a lot of siblings. None of the siblings felt like lost or forgotten, like they all had their own unique thing. Yeah, because it, it feels really true to life now. Uh, the actors who play the parents, uh, Bill Wise and Lietti, they, again, feel super authentic. Um, I personally have not heard of these actors. So it was very easy for me to just see them as the people they were playing instead of the mm-hmm. actors. That wasn't as true for uh, Zachary Levy and Glenn Powell, who play the, the NASA the NASA people who, who recruit uh, Stan to be this uh, astronaut boy. Mm-hmm. Um Glenn Powell, a lot of people know he was in Richard Linklater's earlier film, Every, Everybody Wants Some. He's also, you know, famous for, as being uh, one, of the, one of the leads in uh, Scream Queens. And uh, you're soon going to see him in kind of like the, the Iceman analog role in uh, Top Gun Maverick. Iceman analog, that's funny. Yeah, so the thing is, Glenn Powell, a lot of people know who he is. Zachary Levy? He's Shazam. He's Chuck. He's um, he's a uh, Finn from Tangled. Every time those two were on screen, I wasn't saying, "Oh, that's Krantz and that's Bostic." I kept going like, "That's Zachary Levy and that's Glenn Powell." And mm-hmm. that was the only time that I was thrown out of the movie because I, you know, I'm like, I'm just looking at Zachary Levy and Glenn Powell. I'm not looking at two NASA pencil pushers who are trying to send a kid into space. Mm-hmm. That was the only time I felt out of the movie because these guys are so recognizable. Um, But that actually brings more credit to Jack Black's narration because he's like the most famous out of anyone. And you'd think hearing his narration, which there is a lot of in this movie, it would pull you out because it's like, oh, that's Jack Black talking. But as you said earlier, he's so smooth and calming with it that you completely are lulled into it. Yeah, no, exactly. His His performance is so authentic that I wasn't thinking Jack Black. I was thinking, oh, Stan's talking again. Stan's talking about how much fun it was uh, watching movies at the drive-in or mm-hmm. going to uh, going to Astro World and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, so hmm. do you have anything else you want to add to the film, C, or to the review? So what I would say, sorry. So what I would say is, I I can't emphasize how much I enjoyed this movie. If anyone out there is listening has kids who are, I'd say, 10 and up, hence with this movie, or 10 and a half, this is a great movie to show them. Especially if you're a parent that grew up in this era and you want your child to understand what this era was like, you need to show them this movie. 
Like that is kind of this what this movie was made for. And I really do hope any parent who grew up in that era, I am not someone who grew up in that era, but any parent who grew up in that era will show their kids this movie. I think that would be an excellent way to bond over what that time was like for, for the parent. Um, I just, I don't know what it was about this movie, but I just really, I really thought this movie had some sort of magic spark to it that has really kept me wondering about like, just a, just a lot of things of that era, but also like, just the potential with the technology they used with rotoscoping. Like I had mostly put rotoscoping off in a corner, but seeing the potential from what this movie did really, uh, really impressed me. So I know I'm gushing a lot over it, but I just, it, it's in a time where we get a lot of like really crazy movies that are either very serious or very sad or just nuts. It was really nice to sit down and just watch a movie about a kid's crazy imagination. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I, again, I'm someone who isn't as in tuned with Richard Linklaker as a lot of his fans are. Um, I, I do enjoy School of Rock and I think the Before Trilogy is his best work. Um, that being said, you know, kind of, kind of the, uh, he hasn't, he has a very, his films always feel very loose. I, I guess that's the best way I could describe it. And many, many times I'm just not on its way. Like, oh, and I also really like Bernie. Um, sometimes I wish he would put more thought into the plot of a film. Uh, that's my just personal bias. Mm -hmm. That being said, it's it's like you said. This film is so sincere in in its kind of the vibe of nostalgic yearning for the 60s or, or for childhood I guess you would say and I listen I can't say that didn't get to me a little bit it, it did uh, in a good way and you know it, it, I feel like if this film if I didn't feel that sincerity I would not be into this film as I am right now so for me for me this is a film for someone who was a fan of the space race, was a fan of the 60s, or has a cu curiosity over American life from the past. This is who this movie is for. And it's it's on Netflix, so, so you can watch it at home at any time you want. And because, you know, because it really has no plot to speak of, this is a this is a movie that you can watch you know, pause, do something, come back and watch again. This is definitely a movie that when you see the, the, the color and the brightness of the animation that, you know, you'll be like, oh, well, this is really pretty to look at. But then when you start seeing like, oh, you know, the, the penny pinching dad or, or going to the arcade with your friends, eventually you're going to latch onto something and that's what's going to keep you engaged. So for me, this is a nostalgic movie, but in a good way. And for me, I have to give this a flush. It just, it knew what it was doing and it went through fully and just was, I'm trying to think of something different than I haven't already said. I groovy? guess, no, groovy, groovy's too stereotypical of this movie. This movie was just so specific, genuine, and honest. 
And that's ma- that made it a flush for me. Yeah. This is a genuine, honest, nostalgic movie for me. And again, this is this is the type. Listen, if Richard, if you've seen other films by Richard Linklater, especially Dazed and Confused, Boyhood, and um, the Before trilogy, where you know there's not really a plot to speak of, if you liked that stuff, you'll like, maybe even love this movie. But if the Richard Linklater stuff you want you you like are the more narrative-driven stuff, like Bernie. Uh, then this might not be the film for you. Uh, But with that said, uh, I guess this is the end of our review. This is What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. Later, everybody. Good night.